online at tech.instacart.com, on Twitter, and on Facebook. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please write us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. It goes a long way to help other people discover our podcast, so thanks. Okay, yeah. so on this uh, episode of Know Your Carrots, today uh, we're going to be interviewing Victor. So, Victor, uh, is there anything you want to, you know, tell everyone, you know, share something about yourself? Uh, okay, so, um, first of all, thank you for doing that. This, this is going to be exciting. This is like, this is going to be like uh, episode number seven. And uh, at this point, we finally um, get our logo done. We published two episodes. We have, um, I submitted everything to uh, the podcast to the iTunes and some other platforms um, so, and we get some traction and, inter- and interest, which is good. So, um, what I probably wanted to, uh, to, talk, uh, to say about myself is like what I'm usually asking others. So, uh, how, how did I start with, <laughs> uh, programming? Um, and, uh, I don't know if my story is typical or not. It's probably is. So, um, I, I, I was a kid and, uh, I really liked, uh, games, um, computer games. And when I asked my parents to get me uh, the console to play games, they actually get me a uh, Sinclair uh, computer, which is like the clone of the Commodore, I guess. Um, and uh, I yeah, and and I basically uh, saw how their uh, engineer who was installing it at our house um, was like playing with BASIC and writing some very short. Uh, programs in basic and uh, they were like doing some kind of picture like drawing some pictures on the screen and I was like stunned by that I was like so thrilled that you can do this with like some text which really look gibberish to me and I can like do like pictures so I started learning basic and that was I probably was like eight or nine years old right so do yeah. you remember what pictures were yeah so he like did like this like the, the star night like the typical one when you randomly just like do like dot and like it changes color so like size and then you erase itself and he did like um um some like random stars like 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 five star five uh point like stars and like their and random arcs around the screen and then he was like uh doing like the cones and the some cylinders so kind of like the fake 3d pictures right. and uh it took me a while to figure out how to actually do that. <laughs> that that was this was this is pretty difficult. I didn't know any trigonometry back then, so it was like really, really hard. Yeah, and so for this particular episode too, right? It's kind of a role reversal where normally you're the one that's interviewing people. Mm-hmm. This this time, you know, <laughs> I'm interviewing you. You're yeah. you're on the other side of the fence, and uh, so yeah, how does that feel? And uh, you know, just going back a bit. Yeah. Right, you know, how did you come up with the whole uh, concept of like, you know, know your carrots? So, frankly speaking, I wanted to do something like that for the good ten years. I, like, I kind of had this idea in my mind that oh, like, I can ask people that are of very much interest for me questions that normally I'm not reading in the books or interviews and just like can you see okay how they actually work how they actually think on problems or like just like on on some aspects of uh, the work in general and uh, all the time before I never had access to such a vast amount of people around me who is like happy and accessible and uh, actually know so much and like so talented at the same time and uh i think it, like this is really no-brainer right i should have I, I could have started earlier here but uh i think like I, i'm kind of here in such a unique state that i had this idea and finally i have like all all the necessary pieces in place to finally do it so um 
Yeah, and um, and my view was very helpful. Is just like kind of trying to, like starting to kick it off, and uh, uh, because frankly, the first like first attempt was the hardest. So once we kind of did recorded that, it was kind of more clear like that I need better prepare for the questions. I need better prepare for the audio and like like what other things um, I need to kind of really think about, not just start talking to, <laughs> to somebody and i still know that we have like a lot of flows but uh, you said this as well that like yeah this is very iterative process and uh i will get better yeah uh, I, I imagine we'll definitely get better at it and you know we definitely we're gonna keep bringing on some of the other engineers that we, we chatted with you know previously just you know as follow-up episodes yeah because uh, there's always more questions that you can ask you know someone right yeah plus you constantly change the way like you look at at things at least th- this is like normal in our field that like you kind of you're supposed to always improve and you're supposed to kind of look at like i forget who told me that like if you if you if you're looking at the code that you wrote five years ago and you don't think you were stupid you're doing something wrong so <laughs> there should be something of this <laughs> yeah definitely I, I i imagine you know as we go through this you know every week it's mm-hmm. get better and better um yeah. And so, for you, um, can you just sort of tell the people that are listening, like, you know, what you work on at Instacart, uh, what do you do? Uh, yeah, um, so I'm full-stack engineer on the Shopper Growth team. Um, so Shopper Growth mainly work on the uh, growing the base of our shoppers. So this is uh, all, all the process. For, uh, th- this is everything after the moment they land on our uh, shoppers landing page uh, up to the point that they schedule first shift on the system um, and there is a lot of moving parts involved uh, there is like legal requirements that uh, we need them to sign particular papers do the background check the contracts i9 and um, verify the identity and um, we have a lot of challenges that we really want to want to have this process very fast we want it to be scalable, so there is like a, a as least amount of uh, human intervention as possible. We don't want uh, them to uh, get in touch with the customer support if it's not needed. So we need really to have, find a solution to kind of avoid it and make everything clear. And like we are not really succeeding in everything, but we're trying it, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 uh, we probably have the highest number of integrations for the team. Uh, with uh, some third-party vendors. I think like we have like uh, eight integrations right now. Um, um, so yeah, uh, and uh, my main focus lately was just on uh, working on the applicant funnel as a whole and just like trying to remove some frictions that we have. And there is still a long way to go. Yeah, can you tell me more about some of the technical challenges that you have to work with? Um, the the biggest technical challenge is that we right now our team our team is rather big. We have twelve people um at at the moment. But um twelve people is a lot of engineers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but but that's uh, including TLM, PM, our oh, iOS okay. and Android engineers, our data analysts, right? So uh but it's still a big number of uh um engineers. But uh the the thing is like the before uh we were part we we were part of the same size team, which was called Shopper Management, which uh, was uh, had like a lot more responsibilities. We, we, this is really like the last few months this is the first time in Instacart history when we have a team who have dedicated resources just to work on the applicant funnel. Every time before we had like dozen other things uh, that, we, that we really was were working on. And because of that, the whole um, the hiring process and I have to remind you that we don't have like a single hiring process. We have uh, three different roles which require three different uh, set of paperwork or like steps to be taken and they have different amount of uh, human intervention in the process. Yeah. And this is for the shoppers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is only for the shoppers. And uh, um, and, and, uh, and, and uh, because the there was never enough people who can work on this like fully um, committed. There, um, the, the whole funnel, the whole process of uh, getting people on board is is very, very much happy path based. 
So like if everything going fine, we're going fine. But if there are some problems here and there, it, it's very often very hard to get back on track. And, uh, and then we need to, uh, and support asking us to fix this on one shopper or group of shoppers, which has side case, which we're not really covering in there. Uh, in our code base, and uh, I, I think that's the high, that, that's the hardest challenge right now to kind of make it from the heavy pass base to kind of more broad and like to to kind of cover like more right. um, corner cases. I can imagine there's a lot of edge cases that would that you would have to deal with, you know, on a daily basis. Yeah. And right, and it's mm. you just have to try to prioritize. Yeah, and uh, and. and we're trying to do we we are trying to do it and we're still trying to kind of take care of every single case, but it's very often not possible. Yeah. Okay. Can you tell me more about your developer environments? Um so I'm a big fan of IDEs and uh right now I'm my main ID is uh Visual Studio Code, which I like a lot and uh I'm tinkering on some even plugins myself. And uh, I'm using Z Shell. And uh, I, I used to use fish for a while, but uh, didn't really stick. <laughs> um, um, so this is like my main two uh, uh, tools that I'm using every day. Well, and Git, of course, as well, because like we're we using GitHub for so uh, what do you version like? control. Yeah, so what do you like about um, those tools? So the main, uh, the main reason why I like this shell better than Bash, because when... Uh, when I learned about it, it 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 can out of the box provided the uh, autocomplete capabilities, and some um, like nice improvements to UI. And uh, very much much later, I learned that oh, you actually can do a lot of these things in Bash. It just maybe a little bit harder, or maybe not. But uh, for me, that was the first that that uh, basically once I discovered all my all my Z shell project. That was the moment when I switched, and it kind of opened to me that oh, there's like so much more that uh, the the shell can do for you, right. and um, and just the, this whole concept with the plugins, and uh, I think it's just great and amazing. You you just have to use it if you don't, um, and uh, and basically just like with the autocomplete, you kind of uh, and and with this like the extra plugins, you you learn that. It can do like more things that you know how to do, so and it can help you discover new features in the uh, that you're not aware of. <laughs> otherwise, um, yeah. So we talked about the your, um, the shell that you use. Mm -hmm. uh, how about the uh, the IDE? Yeah, uh, IDE is basically you know, what's good. The the one of the main points about the Visual Studio Code is that it's open source is fast. Uh, and uh, it's it's crazy extensible, so it support all the language. Well, most of the languages that that are out here, and um, it, it has this plugin system, and you can author your own plugins in the TypeScript, and um, you you basically can you can use a single tool for both your like main things you're doing and all your experiments, which I think is very nice. And um, if you if you're using languages that support that. Uh, you have like the full like really like full blown ID like there is debugging capabilities, there's like step by step uh, going through your code and uh, there's like task runners, so you can compile and run specs or tests whatever uh, it is on your platform right from the ID, um, and it kind of have this like thing which is slightly similar to what Vim users like that you have the separation between their edit mode and the command mode. So the uh, Visual, Visual Studio Code uh, has a comment palette. It, it's, not, it's not that this is the first editor who implemented that. I think the first one is actually V <laughs> uh, with, the, with the command mode, but uh, they, 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 they made it very convenient that um, the comment palette has, I think like five or six different modes when you enter the comment or you navigating through the files or you navigating through the symbols or you navigating through the symbols in the whole project or you navigating through their um, symbols in your current file but sorted by the type of the symbol. So all these various types of like navigation making it extremely convenient to easily get to what, like, what you need and uh, make changes. 
And um, yeah, and uh, lately, <laughs> I, um, I uh, actually that was after I interviewed Gordon <laughs> a few weeks ago. Uh, I uh, I learned that he's working the, this uh, tool called Cubist, and um, I'm working on the uh, Visual Studio Code plugin for Cubist. Right, because VS Code is very extensible. So, uh, how did you get into VS Code? Like, um, what were you using before? What uh, did you try out? So, so I think I think. Well, the, for many years I was using Visual Studio, the full Visual Studio, because I was writing dot, uh, the C sharp for .NET, and um, again I always had a thing for the uh, the developer tools by Microsoft. I think they actually doing it right. Um, they they used to be all paid. Uh, today most of them are actually free, um, uh, but but they, they 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 always provide very like huge number of features that are very convenient. Uh, when I was like switching to from the uh, C-sharp to all other languages, because even in my previous job, I needed to write more Python, more Node.js, more shell scripts. Um, and um, with that, I needed something that kind of worked better on that. And very often I needed to uh, work not on my Windows machine, but my, on the on the Mac. So uh, I started looking around and uh, I, I, I pretty much like went through multiple different editors. I tried MacVim because everyone was recommending that and didn't really work for me because I, I'm not like I I, I couldn't do uh, I, like the Vim was like way too kind of hard for me like too much um, overhead in my in my head to to, to use it and then uh, I was uh, at some point I discovered Sublime which I liked a lot and um, uh, and I think. The very first version of Atom that was published, um, I, I jumped on that look right away because I like the concept that everything is uh, written in JavaScript, so I can uh, contribute to my environment. Um, even though I can probably did this in with Emacs, which I also didn't uh, use a lot, but uh, since I know Lisp, I technically could. Uh, but like JavaScript was, in my opinion, much easier language to author plugins and stuff. So uh, I switched to Atom and I hated it because it was so slow. So when Microsoft, I think it was like half or like uh, month, half a year or maybe like nine months later, later when they um, shipped the Visual Studio Code, which was on the same Electron platform with also JavaScript authored plugins uh, and was so much faster, I that was like no brainer for me. And like I tried it from this like beta version and never switched back. <laughs> Well, okay, that's quite the, the journey for editors. Mm -hmm. So previously you mentioned that uh, you were working with C-sharp. Yeah. Uh, what other languages have you explored? Um, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm, I'm trying to try at least one new language every year. Uh, not, like, it's not every time very deep, but uh, at least I'm trying to like, do my efforts. Um, I don't have... Uh, like some people do in like, oh, this is particular type of the program that they've just written in every single language and that's how I try. I don't have anything like that. I'm just like trying to explore what, like how people learn this language in the in the community. So over the years, I, uh, well, let's let's see. So uh, I tried a number of languages in the .NET, uh, um, like well, the, there is, uh, the two main ones are uh, C Sharp and Visual Basic and uh, I did my, my, my time with both of them. I, I, I wrote some code in F-sharp, and I, I like F-sharp a lot. Uh, I tried Boo immediately when they uh, popped up, but they're kind of pretty much dead right now. No one uh, working on them. Um, I tried Haskell, and I like Haskell a lot, even though it's like kind of hard to... Uh, be, be, because it's like it's way too strict. <laughs> um, uh, I, I like Lisp, and... Uh, I went through like number of things in Lisp. Uh, I tried Scala. Uh, I, I did some stuff in OCaml version, which is Reason, which is a uh, Facebook version, Facebook uh, like functional language that they're using with React right now. Um, what else? Probably some. Well, I uh, in in school I was writing code in the Pascal, which is Object Pascal in Delphi. Uh, I did that. Uh, uh, some older versions of Basic. Uh, I did number of things, number of experiments in Prolog, but uh, again, that's like 
the concept of declarative programming is kind of very hard. <laughs> uh, if you, it, it's not that it's hard. It's like the, the the concept is very easy. Just making making something useful right now, it's kind of hard because we so get used to different paradigms. Um, um, what else? Uh, probably was something else. We and of course there is JavaScript and uh, variations, uh, and there was the like JScript language, which was like their uh, uh, Microsoft's runtime for JavaScript. So how yeah. about next year then? Yeah. What do you look for in the next language that you want to like try out? Well, um, I I think we, right now, and I di I didn't mention Elixir because that's my kind of current experiment. I think I will stick to this because uh, since we're using Ruby here mostly uh, and Elixir is uh, kind of perceived to be like the better Ruby, uh, plus it uses the BIM VM, which is the Erlang virtual machine. So it's it's very old, very stable environment with new language, which is uh, very, very well thought through. And it's functional language, which I like. And uh, on very nice, uh, like uh, uh, in very in very nice environment, which has like a lot of cool features out of the box. Um, so I think I will try to stick with that. And uh, one of the example features that I, I was like totally blown away uh, by is um, when 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 you write in the Elixir program, right? It's like it's basically based on the actors. So you have this runtime that manages like your main actor, the main process, which can spawn all the other processes. And um, th this is very, very different approach from um, say when you write in Ruby, because like you kind of have like your own process and you, you have like a lot of ceremony when you want to spawn child processes or like you want to control how like the, like what are all the threats of execution exist in your program. Uh, and with uh, Erlang and Elixir, because it's basically the same thing, just different languages to be to be used. It's 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 quite different. It's like you creating this like hundred of these like lightweight actors, and you just have strategies of supervision of how your high level uh, actors control the lifetime of the uh, child actors. So let's say that um, I am someone that's new to. Um you know, Erling and Alexa, right? Mm -hmm. um, how would I try to understand like the actor model or what's a great way, what's a good way to explain like, cause you know, there's, there's like a bunch of abstractions, right? Yeah. Um, so is it like a thread? Is it like something that's concurrently right? Yeah, like a I, routine or? Uh, this, is, this is a good question. I think, I think the, the, the really good way of doing this is uh, there is, um, uh, I, I always forget uh, the, uh, Mr. Hewlett, uh, I forget his name, <laughs> uh, but um, he, he, he basically wasn't working alone on, on, on the actor model. Um, I forget the name of his colleague, but uh, in the, actually in the Microsoft folks, they recorded a very nice video. I, I will post the link in the, um, in the description on like understanding the actor model. And, um, um, and, and, and they're going in very kind of good details into that. Uh, but in general, like the the, the actor model is, uh, it, it, it's like it's very simple. Like it, it's it's very close in some sense to the object-oriented programming model. Um, you have this like small computers. Like each so each actor is a com computer. It can do something, and it just has a mailbox, and each actor can do something, receive the message in the mailbox and know that it needs to do something and send the message to other computers to the mailbox. That's it. Like, there's really nothing more to this. But just from this, like, simple three things that this is computing module, the mailbox and the messages being sent from actor to another actor, it's like the beautiful thing can come up. So are, are these messages yeah. being sent concurrently or is it running one at a time? This is really kind of doesn't really matter. This is implementation detail. So, <laughs> uh, uh, but um, since since um, the the actor really on, only working on the scope of like like what what it really is. So it's it's always its internal state, and their um, and what it receives in the mailbox. Uh, 
you don't care about concurrency that much. It's like it, it that it, it's like it's from the different like world, so to say. So um, yeah, I I I I wouldn't go like any deeper, <laughs> like you know, not to not to confuse myself and like listeners. <laughs> that, that's uh, fine yeah, because yeah. I, I personally have yeah. not really worked uh, closely with. Or uh, elixir, right? Or mm-hmm. Erling, and that—that's something that I would also have to look up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we could definitely take a. Yeah. Um, you know, I would have to do my own research. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I will post the, the 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 link to the video that I really like because it, it's it's like it's very informal um, introduction to the actor model, and it's by the very people who created it. So it's it's good source. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll I'll definitely mm-hmm. check it out. And then, so previously, you mentioned a little bit about functional programming. Yeah. So, what do you like about it? And we can go in from there. Uh, yeah. So, what I like about functional programming is that it's it's programming which is much close to the math than their uh, say object oriented programming, like in this simple sense, right? So, you you kind of work in the functions that like accept uh, some arguments and return some value. And uh, by doing that, you're basically breaking down your program into chunks that much easier to understand and much easier to manage. And um, there is this uh, concept of the, the pure pure function, which basically means that the function has like no side effects. You don't have to write functional like the programs and functional programming style with only pure functions. But this is very very convenient concept which allow you to uh, like much much easier write, test, and understand what's going on. Because if there is like no side effects, if there is no, um, uh, uh, yeah, if there is no side effects in the function, uh, it's very easy to, to test it, right? So like we know what the input is and we know, we, we, we know what the output is gonna be. So that's like, okay, so your spec would be, you're looking at the input and just like you're expecting the function to return the output. So it's very easy. There is uh, all your all your tasks to specs became like trivial, just like pairs of values. So Did when you, I yeah. was back in school, yeah. uh, one of the um, sort of impressions, or yeah. I want to say kind of a stigma, but yeah. it's sort of this like cloud around uh, functional programming that is that it's a hard concept for new you know programmers to pick up. So from your experience, you know, what makes it hard, or is that true, or is that something that's just... I, I think it's, like, for me, it's mostly stigma, because um, if, if, if you think about it, um, if you look at the specs of the different languages, okay, so the, 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 the Lisp initial spec was 20 pages, including the, uh, the library. This is just 20 functions <laughs> and it's like 20 pages for the like base concepts and the going through the functions and that's it you learn you you really read in 20 20 pages and you know everything about the language there's nothing else to say if you look at the scala which is also functional language but it's like it's it's hybrid right it's like it's, uh, it's object oriented and functional uh multi-paradigm language the, the specs for the scala is 960 pages this is vast amount of information and the problem is even if you read all that you probably still leave something like outside of the of the spec so you wouldn't know everything and and that's a problem with a lot of languages it's just there the surface of like the knowledge is so big that uh like it's hard to get proficient like uh so if you think about it just like the 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 main concept of their uh the main concepts of the uh, list, for instance, that there is, there is, you operate on the lists, you have the functions, and the function is something that you can pass around, and there there is not too much more to 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 tell about here, and um, and just to kind of prove, uh, kind of somewhat prove my point, there is this very famous thing called SICP. Structure and, and Interpretation of Computer Programs, which used to be the main book for uh, computer science courses as a very first introduction to computer science. And it's not anymore for many years. Uh, but if you're actually reading through the book, I think they they have like 80 pages. They're going through God knows how many concepts up to the point when they have to introduce assignment uh, expression. 
and they have this like two or three paragraphs of uh, text that they can excuse you know, themselves that they have to finally introduce the assignment, which is a side effect, so they can't prove anything after that point, because since like you, you do like since you can do in mutations, it's like nothing is as in stone and as easy to prove that it's working as it like looks like should work like that is working the way it, like it looks like after the point because the, the, because you introduce the state so and and I find this amusing because like you can you can talk about so many different algorithms like recursion and like trees and just like some complicated algorithms on those and like and you still haven't introduced assignment you still haven't introduced state and you did all that without state and uh, when you actually learn in the um, object-oriented programming, the assignment that's pretty much and state, it's very the very first concept that you start with, right? So I, I think this is just a huge misunderstanding. <laughs> that's really interesting. So um, did you go through like a computer science program? Uh, no, I did not. I'm actually, uh, my major was electrical engineering. But uh, I, I did number of uh, classes um, like after that, just to to catch up for what I was like in all field that I was like in my job. So what? Um, yeah. So you majored in electrical engineering. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what got you into this you know field of um, programming? Well, I I always wanted like I always loved to write code. I always wanted to do programming. I never thought that this is actually something that people can pay money for. I always kind of feel that this is like this kind of cool hobby that you can have and it's just cool and interesting. And uh, only probably when I was 19, I, like, I, I, I kind of had this like uh, weird um, interaction with uh, my uh, friend boss who asked me to do like some contract support for him and write a simple database um, uh, for managing like clients. And that's this was like the first money that I made like uh, from coding, and uh, several years later I finally kind of completely switched to actually just writing code. Um, and uh, yeah, and, uh, and 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 basically, so I end up like never actually working as electrical engineer because like I I I tried all the different things when I was in college, like I was working in sales. I was working as accountant and like some other things. I was working like construction plot, and uh, and then yeah, and uh, and then I started coding, uh, like uh, professionally, and like never went back. <laughs> well, that, that's quite the story. Um, is there anything from electrical engineering that you would like to you know play around with today? Or yeah, some I concepts I, that. I'm 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 always looking at um so, so several things right so like the the fact that three D printers are so accessible right now and it's like so easy to print stuff and uh, then there is um, all this like toolkits uh, like Arduino and things uh, that allow you to build your own electronics like very very easily it's 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 I don't know like hundred times easier than the way you're doing it from the like various like small components and I can say that like uh, like, like, uh, so the, the major was electrical engineering, but like the the main things that we were doing is really electronics and like radio and stuff. And uh, I can't say that it's like very very hard, but like there is huge amount of information around it. And um, um, and, uh, and and before you know to make something with your own hands, it was like it was a lot of efforts. You need a lot of things to have. You need to have a lot of components. You need to know a lot of things and it just, overall it was kind of messy and uh, long process but right now you like you grab an arduino you grab in like some things from this like you know alibaba for like ten dollars and uh, you can build amazing things and f for some reason i'm not even touching it like i i haven't built anything on my own for like the last 10 years well so Instacart yeah. has a hackathon next week yeah. um, I do realize you were going on vacation but yeah. if you were in the hackathon yeah. would you build something yeah. with electronics or uh, I think what would you build um, if you had the, the time and Arduino board and, uh, uh, I, I have to think about it okay. I, I have to think about it because yeah, it's it's like there there is like so many possibilities that they just like you 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 have this like their decision paralysis. It's like you can do like anything, 
So it's, it's very hard to decide what exactly you want to do. Yeah, very yeah. cool. So uh, what, what other hobbies do you have outside of work um, and uh, programming? So uh, I'm very vivid gamer and uh, I, 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 my wife probably would say that I'm playing way too much. So I'm trying to kind of uh, do that less. Um, um, I'm 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 not reading as much as I used to. Uh, so, but I'm still trying to read like uh, like one or two technical books uh, every month. Um, uh, the problem is right now with like this huge amount of the blog posts and videos. It's like the book kind of feels to be very slow way of getting information. That's why. Uh, I'm not always successful <laughs> with creating books. I'm just like skipping this completely. Um, and um, this year I actually picked up new hobby, so I started drawing. So that's oh, so that's what, what do you be. draw? Uh, so I started with the uh, I started with the architecture, and uh, right now I switched to human models. The last two months, yeah. So how did you get started with drawing? Like what kind uh, of medium is it like? And that's all the charcoal or uh, yeah so i'm i'm i'm, I'm yeah i'm mostly using just like graphite pencils uh, graphite pencils and uh i'm i'm kind of playing with charcoal and some other like soft materials a little bit um not very successfully but uh it's just like taking time um i like right now the graphite pencils that like did my thing and uh the, i like i always thought that like i'm totally incapable of drawing like i kind of have this like fr back from i don't know like first to second grade in school when i was like like failing badly trying to draw like human like as a stick figure or something and even that was like going bad and then at some point it just like uh, I, 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 this year i basically have a, um, the idea to try some new hobby which i'm totally not proficient like i knew nothing about and just uh, try to stick to it for a year. That 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 was the idea. And uh, I picked up something that I like always wanted to do, but like thought I totally not capable of. And I just started doing it quite regularly. Like I, frankly, I just have like few hours on the weekend for for it. And uh, during the weekday, I I don't really have time uh, to work on that. And uh, to my surprise, like with some practice, I had like such a fast improvement. And um, what what was interesting is so uh, my mom is an artist so she she's like doing paintings and drawings and like and she like working with pretty much every single material that allowed for the for the graphics but um, so she can kind of help me understand if I'm doing something wrong so what it is which is very useful feedback but another thing which uh, she actually shared with me which I didn't realize is. There, the the process of drawing really it's it's first thinking process and then drawing process so to say like you you really have to understand what you're looking at and there is a lot of kind of algorithmic approach to like drawing a picture there is like you have to think of like what the thing that you're looking at like what what are the things that you actually want to put in your drawing what you don't want to put in your drawing what going to be like the plants, like what is the closest, like the medium and like the furthest part of this? Like, uh, do you use perspective or not? Do you like, what's the lightest part uh, of the, uh, like of, of the whole um, scene? What's the darkest part? Like you need to understand this, like the balance of, uh, um, uh, like b balance of like color. So like, just like shades. And th the thing is, even though it's like, kind of feels like, oh, it's very, very, complicated there is just like several like uh algorithms that usually kind of follow and you kind of have to be methodical but that's pretty much how you work <laughs> as a software engineer as well so i kind of found this like amusing that there is like so many uh, like uh things that i can like correlate like the way the, the process of actually drawing to like our work which I found like completely amusing, and that's why I kind of I, I really enjoy I really enjoy this hobby. Yeah. Well, wow. So this is something that you just started like this year. Yeah. It took took you, you know, many many years just to like discover it. Yeah. You know, rediscover it. And uh, do you have any plans? Uh, you know, you know as, as you're drawing, like, what would you like to draw? Like as you get better and better. Uh. Well. So. I I, I forget the name of their. Uh, uh, the, the artist but uh, I basically saw like number of um, um, like 
like city sketches that I really liked and and they were like implemented in like some particular technique. But I, I forget what the materials, but like I kind of have like in mind like in mind how they is looked it, like. Is it called yeah. precisionism? Uh, um, I I I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Okay, but so because, yeah, because, yeah. Um, right now, have you been to the Young? No, that's I have not. I think been there, they, yeah. they they have yeah. an exhibit yeah. right now that is around like cityscapes and. Mm-hmm. Something that you might want to check out. Yeah, I, I will definitely will. I also think that yeah, people yeah. who are listening, yeah. uh, I think the exhibit is still ongoing right now. Yeah. yeah so, um, yeah. So basically, there's like some graphics which is which was like very expressive, but kind of very simple on the surface, but kind of had like it was quite complicated in the way it was implemented. If you kind of know, like, if you're trying to look precisely how everything is done, so I kind of want like I hope to get to that level uh, even though I don't know how many years it will take me to do that uh, but I think like the immediate challenge right now I'm basically trying to get better at like drawing humans and uh, that's not very easy for me <laughs> yeah you have to kind of learn proportion stuff so it's like I'm struggling a little bit right now yeah. yeah. Well, it's always fun yeah. to like pick up a new hobby and yeah. just feel like a beginner again right? Yeah, yeah it, it really is yeah yeah so do you remember uh, what it was like to be a beginner you know, when programming? Oh, yes. Um, actually, that, that was uh, the, the, way, the way you... Um, so the, my first computer was Sinclair, right? And uh, it has this like the, the built-in, the basic interpreter. And the problem is this, is like there is no IDE. It's like you write in it in the, like, so to say, in shell, one line at a time, you're doing the line number, like 10, uh, print something, and then press and enter, and then you doing like, okay, next line 20, and like, write something. And uh, it's taking forever to write, and uh, it's like, it's very hard to change something. And um, and if you want to save your work, you basically just plug it in the, the cassette ta- uh, uh, tape, uh, right, so uh, and uh, save into the to the cassette, and then if you need to load, you need to just plug plug it in again and just like like uh, uh, rotate back, and it will do like these funny sounds like the as modems used to do pretty much, <laughs> and like uh, yeah, and um, it was a very very hard process, and and uh, even though you have books, like uh, there is like not too like there was no kind of people kind of easily accessible for me to kind of ask the advice. And uh, then I learned that like um, my uh, uh, classmate's older brother, he was into coding and he was like doing some, just a little bit more advanced programs that I did. But it was like so much harder like for me to, and like I was so excited that he like actually shared like these pieces of code with me that like he was able to do. And, um, and pretty much, even even though you have books, some stuff that you don't yet understand. Well, I, I was like really little, right? So just like I didn't know math pretty much at all other than al- algebra. And uh, so anything with like their trigonometry, like sine and cosine, it was just like way out of my league at that point. So, um, and but that's the, the most part that we try to do, like do like draw some fancy, funny pictures and uh, and uh, basically, I learned trigonometry before it was taught in school because I needed to understand how to do this like cycle, so like sectors of the cycle, and like how like what what is this? So um, yeah, and everything was hard, and I kind of feel that uh, in general, like the coding was very very hard up to the point that Stack Overflow come up, because after after Stack Overflow was open and like a few years later. Every single problem that you're googling, you're just finding solution on the set, stock overflow, overflow, at least for all the beginner stuff. Once you kind of stop find, like once you stop finding something on Stack Overflow, you know that you kind of get like really deep into some problem. Yeah, and uh, which is interesting. And um, and I'm I'm really excited about like the all the opportunities like the uh, new developers have right now, because. When I was learn trying to learn something, like you would sometimes, I don't know, just Google something for a day to find the reference to some like function or like behavior of, 
I don't know, some CSS property. Right now it's like, there's great resources like MDN if you need like just information about standards or like there is Stack Overflow to find the answers. There is like tons of online uh, courses with like videos and assignments. So which can guide you in your learning. So I, I think everything became like so much, so much more e easy than it, it was like say 10 years ago that uh, I think like everyone should just like go and like learn to like code at least a little bit. So yeah. um, knowing what you know now, right? And you know, you've gone, yeah. you've come a long way since you, know, you were a yeah. beginner. What kind of advice would you give uh, to somebody who is just starting off programming today? Uh, um, I guess, I guess I will use like what, uh, part of the advice that Dominic gave is just like, yeah, bust your ass. Just, just basically, just like trying to, trying to work like a lot and uh, and, and just hard that, that helps. But otherwise, it's just kind of trying to be constantly be, like build and adjust your mental model of the things, and uh, never trying to find the solution outside before you actually work on something. So uh, when you put your efforts into solving the problem and you failed and you trying to find the solution outside uh you will you kind of earn the solution and uh it sticks so much more to you than versus when you just found it like right away when didn't even trying to figure out what was the underlying issue and the second one is like when when there is something uh that kind of didn't quite work for you try to uh, always try to dig a little deeper to understand like wh like what is what is this like so uh, like if, I don't know like uh, see like there's something like that you you try to do something with CSS and you couldn't align the like like one uh, box to another on the screen just like don't don't just like say oh okay this solution worked for me try to learn more about box model and understand okay what what are the type of box models are there like how they change it over time and like uh what other things relates to this and kind of doing this kind of related learning uh all the time that helps you kind of get like deeper in like one thing but kind of find uh topics that are kind of related to your main expertise and get broader because the, 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 you have to be very deep in something, but you still have to be quite broad and like range of things in order to be useful. Because um, if you're very, very, very concentrated like one one single thing, it's it's kind of hard to uh, to to see like applications to to your problem and just like wide wide variety of the or, or like all the fields. Yeah. Thanks. Um, anything else you want to spend advice on? Uh, I I kind of prepared like a few links uh, uh, that I wanted to rent about, <laughs> but uh, I, I guess I'll just like I'll just post them in the in the code. But um, one thing that I can't say it annoys me, but it, it's like amuses me why is that um, is um, how fast we forget um, what was already like researched and solved in the computer science, and uh, how we kind of tend to reinvent everything like every few years. And kind of pretend that this is all new when in reality this is like has like some quite some story and an example is like people well it's not lately but if you uh, go like half a year ago everyone was going crazy about microservices right now there's like new shenanigans but like if you think about it the microservices is like uh, not a new idea and um, there is excellent uh, talk by uh, Greg Young um, uh, about it, I think it's even called like sad story of microservices. Um, basically, he 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 give you perspective of like how it, on the fifty years period, how like how many different ideas led to microservices and 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 it's not just led to microservices. The pro pretty much the whole concept was like fifty years ago we we knew it, and and still every few or maybe like five years people come can tend to come up with something new, which is pretty much based on the like old work 
but call it something completely new. And uh, people tend not to read the papers, like the original papers and the ideas, and they find something like slightly related and tend like to run around with this and just like say, okay, this is the best thing after sliced bread. Not knowing, okay, that this is not really new. <laughs> I guess that's a um, so, uh, mini rant. So, yeah. so is your yeah. advice more yeah. just uh, study like the older uh, like computer science concepts or? Yeah, yeah just like the, 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 there is amazing amount of work that people put in uh, like in the last 50 years on, on different topic and like distributed computing and just uh, and computational models and uh, uh, Pretty much all like all theoretical computer science is like it, 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 it went such a long way and not everything that was developed in the theory was actually implemented in practice and um, we didn't know a lot of the things and, and and the second problem is a lot of things were implemented uh, but because we change it um, the way how we um, the, the whole environment changed right there's like no more like almost no more mainframes. There is like this very basic and small machines which we have like just like hundreds of thousands of them in the cloud right now and we have like much easier uh, hardware and we just have like two, a lot of it and uh, we have like different ways how we uh, break down the programs to run on this uh, on this like like huge variety of uh, homogeneous uh, computational uh, units. It's kind of changed a lot of things, so that's why we kind of forget about a lot of cool things that was like solved before, and we're kind of going back to it and uh, not not really knowing. Like um, I I forget I I will I will add another link. There's like great paper by um, I forget I forget anyway. There's like the the great paper on like how you can do like distributed. Um, um, commits and how you can do like uh, how how you can do like how you can build robust system when like n network is not reliable nothing is reliable and paper is like 40 years old <laughs> and like uh, even right now like not a lot of people understand the like the reasoning and logic behind it and like how like how it was proven like for some things to work and uh, I'm I'm very glad that right now there is like more interest to like TLA plus since it's kind of became like more on the like people hear about it that oh like Microsoft using TLA plus to uh, uh, engineer Azure the Amazon using TLA plus to engineer AWS services so they understand okay there is like some some things to it that allow you to build system much more robustly but like not a lot of people know it yeah. Wow, well, thanks for uh, sharing uh, with me today. And, uh, uh, this is my pleasure, thank you. Yeah, is there anything else you want to talk about? No, I think uh, I think we can wrap and call it a day. Right, we'll yeah. call it a wrap. Yeah. Okay, so again, uh, this is uh, Victor uh, that we're interviewing today. Until um, next time. Yeah, bye-bye. Know your carrots.